All right. Well, we are continuing walking through looking at common misconceptions. And one more time, we want to at least finish off talking about Bible vocabulary today because we've talked about a bunch of different kinds of things. Tithing, the way that our culture looks at things that they think they know Bible stories, little snippets and verses that we think are from Scripture, stuff that we may believe about the Holy Spirit, um, what people think about the Bible and its reliability, etc. But as we've talked, um, even the vocabulary itself that Scripture uses, sometimes we, we think we're more familiar with it than we are. Start off with a little funky teaching moment. And, and, and some of this stuff is stuff we've talked about before, but it's probably helpful to, to remind ourselves, especially somebody brought something up last week, and so I wanted to do this for them, and they're not, they're not here. So it's always fun when you, you, you go, oh, I'll, I'll preach to a person. And you go, yeah, no, that was dumb. But we've talked about this before, so if you remember this, if you remember this, Maybe don't help me with this. But what's a wraith? How would people describe something today that is wraith-like? Something like that. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> this is a word that, that it's in the English language, and, and people will oftentimes describe things being wraith-like. Dark ghosts. Okay, ghost. Well, yeah, a lot of times you're associated with Lord of the Rings, and there's good reason actually for that. But yeah, people will think it's ghostly, vaporous, uh, a spirit. What other common English words look like wraith to you? Wrath. Wrath. What else? Wreath. What else? Ride. Ride. Oh, you guys got all these things. All these things. Wreath, wrath, ride, yeah. All those things come from the same root that wraith does. The same Old English root, rof. All the same thing. So what does rof probably mean? What do those words all have in common? Is it, is it that those words, wreath, wrath, writhe, wraith, all mean ghostly? What do they all have in common? I don't know, but... Uh... When I think of right too, I think of like a serpent, like a snake type thing. Okay. Okay. And, and writhe means yeah. what? Right, and uh, something yeah. like a wreath goes in a circle, and it's all their branches are intertwined. That's right. How do you make a wreath? You make a wreath by intertwining everything. What is writhing? Writhing is twisting around everything. What is wrath? Because we've talked about this before. Every word that we have for being angry means something different, right? So I'm furious literally means I'm, well, at least in terms of how we were trying to use that word fury, it means I'm burning up inside with anger, right? I'm mad means I've gone bonkers with anger. Wrath means I'm all twisted up inside with anger. So what does wraith probably mean? Twisted. Yeah. Something that's been twisted. Word had functionally almost dropped out of the English language until philologist J.R.R. Tolkien said, that's the perfect word to describe these things, these ring wraiths in my in my ring trilogies and, and, and the Hobbit. That's that's what I want to call them. I want to call them wraiths because they have been twisted by the ring. And he describes them as being spectral because they're only partially in this plane with the rest of us. Which is why everybody goes... Oh, okay, so a wraith is a ghost. It's like, well, no, a wraith is something that has been twisted. 
Well, technically, it's 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 rules. Yeah, that's true. To the gluten problem, guy. Anyway, so what a word officially means is that the same thing as what a word means to the people using it? No, 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 almost never. Um, and sometimes we say, "Oh, you're using that word wrong." Other times, and, and with like things like with race, you go, "Oh, and you're missing the linguistic point that he's making." Every time he talks about the ring wraiths, people picture spectral things. You go, oh, "Every time he uses the word ring wraith, you should be thinking people twisted by evil." Other times we need to say, "Okay, but we need to be aware that when we're talking about some of these words, and I'm bringing up the etymology of some of these words." It's not like that automatically means that's what people are trying to say when they use that word. It just helps us to understand where that word came from and why. What? I was just, there's a lot of, like, I do not think that word means, means what you think, think it means. Exactly. <laughs> let's get, let's use, and we've talked about this a couple of years ago in our history class. Let's talk about the quintessential example of that in Christianity and how it messes people up. The original Apostles' Creed, right, talks about Jesus being buried in a tomb. He's dead and buried. That's the point that they were trying to make. He's really, really dying, right? The later tweaked creed adds that he descended to Hades, the Greek word for the underworld. In myth Greek mythology, where everybody goes when they die. The, basically, the Greek way of saying Sheol. Okay? In Latin, the new creed read that Jesus Christ descended ad inferos, or because it's coming off the Latin word infernos, meaning lower regions. Because it's, you know, the, the, the prefix infra, meaning like beneath things. Anyway, infrastructure is the structure beneath it. Point is, is infernus means lower parts. Like how the Roman god of the underworld, Pluto, is often called infernus rex, the king of the underworld. Everybody goes, yeah, okay, whatever. All right. That got linked to the Latin translation of Ephesians 4.9, descended in inferiores, which is actually coming from that same Latin root. He, that Christ descended to the lower earthly regions. Remember when they talked about that? But even the writers of the Tweet Creed were trying to say Jesus was in the grave. He was in the land of the dead. He was in the underworld. He really died. He wasn't just swooning, because there was still that... There was still that argument that maybe he was only mostly dead. It's like, no, no. Really, really honest and true, he was dead. So a whole doctrine began to rise that Jesus descended into hell to save people in hell, to preach to them, to the gospel, to them, making this really weird use of Ephesians in a way that had nothing to do with what's going on in Ephesians. And yet people go, oh yeah, but he descended to hell. Where do you get that? It's a little complicated. But Paul had written about that after Jesus' death, he simply returned to where he came from. If you remember what he said in, in Ephesians, he quoted Psalm 68:18, And he said, when he ascended on high, after he died and he ascended, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And what does it mean that he ascended, except that he also had descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended. The point he's trying to make he went back to heaven. Not he went to heaven. He went back to heaven. Because that's where he came from in the first place, right? Yeah. So the lower earthly regions, or inferiores, would be talking about here. The earthly regions where he was. Everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Tertullian, 
Um, I have no idea why my computer just died. Yes, but I don't turn it right back on now because I blow up. I turned off the power strip. Foolishly not thinking about the fact that the projector is still connected to the power strip. I have no idea. Do I do I do I want to do Please Lord don't blow up my projector. Anyway, um So Tertullian had, had written that um, I don't want to do what I'm doing. Now the same passage that I remember in Italy I saw paintings of after Jesus died going to the underworld because uh, I was told 